Hello, and welcome to About This Writing Thing, the bi-weekly podcast about living the writing life. I am your host, novelist, say work B. Eller, and I am astounded that this is the very last episode I will ever record of About This Writing Thing. I know I've talked about this before. It has been a long, long four years. I started this project in August 2019 when I was still attending my MFA program. It was an experiment to see if I could build a platform using this podcast element. I also started a YouTube channel, which didn't even last more than a couple of months, honestly. I feel somewhat disadvantaged because with the YouTube because I, of course, am much older than the generation that typically utilizes YouTube, but I thought there are a lot of people that listen to podcasts, and it's not only geared toward one generation, and that's not to say YouTube is only geared toward one generation, but it seems like the overwhelming majority of people who watch YouTube are under 40, and I am over 40. I, of course, wanted something that would appeal to new writers as well as writers who have been doing this for a while. So when I began this podcast, it was geared toward an informational, educational type of format. But last season, I decided to do interviews. And I have to say that was the absolute best decision because I have spoken with and met so many talented and just extremely friendly and welcoming authors and I cannot thank you all enough for your support for being on the show for sharing the show and just for helping me keep this dream alive just a little bit longer for this final episode I am excited to welcome one of my favorite authors I first found her in 2020 when she was advertising or promoting her debut, The Companion. And so I read that, loved it. It has the most stunning cover. And then in 2021, she released After Alice Fell. In 2022, she released The Deception. I am a huge fan of gothic historical novels, and I think that she does the genre so well. And now she's kind of switched gears a little bit, which is something that we talk more about in this particular episode. She is, uh, in 2023, she released The Good Time Girls, which is a historical kind of Western about some unruly women uh, in the West. So I'm pretty excited for you to hear our conversation about her newest release and about her writing life, her writing process and the best writing advice she's ever been given. So without further ado, please help me welcome Kim Taylor Blakemore to the show. A note before we get started, please keep in mind that these interviews are pre-recorded. So if you're wearing earbuds, I do encourage you to turn your volume down until you can establish what will be a safe volume for you to listen with. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Kim. I'm so glad you could join me today. I am so excited to be here. I have known you on Instagram for two years, so this is enjoyable and totally exciting. Thank you. (laughs) I second that. (laughs) So to start off things, I always like to ask, what genre or genres do you write, and how long have you been writing? 
So I write in two genres, even though they're sort of under the same umbrella. Actually, I write in three genres. Let me take that back. Subgenres of historical fiction. So I started um, with YA, and I have two books that are historical fiction in that, Sissy Funk and Bowery Girl. Um, Sissy Funk is set in the Depression during Colorado, and Bowery Girl is set right before the Brooklyn Bridge is built in, in New York, New York City. So those are YA, and I have three historical thrillers uh, that are The Deception, The Companion, and After Alice Fell. And then my newest brand, I guess you would say, is uh, called Wild Willed Women of the West. And it's uh, about women of the West, and, and not necessarily the old West, but rather the changing West, sort of the later 19th century into the early 20th century. And that's much more fun and adventurous sort of fiction. And that's a period of time we don't really see a lot of historical fiction cover when it comes to women in the West. So that is very exciting. Right. I think. Yeah. The... I mean, it's very a fun time because there's like telephones are just being put in. And so there's telephone lines in some places. And even from when I did research for Sissy Funk and I talked to people who lived on the plains of Colorado, they didn't have phones, electricity or plumbing till 1955. Oh my gosh. So Yeah. So the rest of the world it's just very, went on without them. The rest of the world's moved on. They're, we got a man on the moon, and they're just getting a toilet that flushes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. that So we could say that the Wild West went well into the 20th century then. Yes, and particularly when you get into the areas like Arizona and New Mexico and that whole area. That was rough for a long time. I bet so. And it's it's really, and I'm going to use this word, wild to think that it would still be kind of this frontier place so late into the 20th century. And I know that we have some of those gunslingers who came, you know, they were in the 20th century and we don't really, we don't really realize it, but I, I think mm-hmm. it's fascinating to, to see them, to, to, the East Coast, which is where I'm from, you know, everything built up so fast. And and then to think yeah. that while we're hanging out on the phone on our toilets or whatever, people in Colorado are still using outhouses. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're still on party lines if they had phones, right? So anybody could just pick up the phone and listen to your phone call to wherever it went. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Now, when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Always. So my mother has the first book I ever wrote, and it's in her house. I've seen it. It's all in crayon, and it's about a girl who goes to live in a castle house, of course. Um, I don't remember much more about that. She said, you always wanted to be a writer. But then I got waylaid, and I was doing theater for a long time, and then I uh, stopped doing that and moved to Colorado, and it was snowing, and I was like, I don't know what to do, because I don't ski. (laughs) So I I started writing a book then, and started writing Sissy Funk. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I I think it's fascinating that you went from 
because I think of writers as a little dramatic a lot of times. I know I'm super dramatic sometimes. So it's interesting that you you said that you went into the theater for a while. Were you mm -hmm. on stage or were you kind of behind the scenes? I acted and then when I lived, I lived in Los Angeles for about seven years and started a theater company with two friends of mine. So we did produ producing, they did more producing, I did more of the acting. Um, and it's really served me well, both in jobs, because I could fake confidence, <laughs> um, and in teaching when everyone's staring at you and you're like, what's wrong with me? You mm -hmm. think it, right? Um, but it's really, really served me well in terms of voice in when I write. So I, I can't write anything unless I hear the main character's voice as if they're on a stage. So that's really been lucky. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> I can't, I, I always wanted to be an actor. When I was a little kid, I used to play act all uh -huh. the time. I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be an actor. And it didn't take me long to figure out that I didn't really have the chops to do the acting. But <laughs> I always thought it would be so cool to be able to, to just be all of these different people. And maybe that's why I gravitated toward writing because in a way we get to be all of these different people and yes, experience their exactly. lives. <laughs> so that exactly. is, that is, um, that's just fantastic. I had no idea you were in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Now, I already know some of the answer to this, but my listeners may not. What do you do outside of writing? So I'm also a developmental editor. So I do developmental editing, and I specialize in historical fiction and historical mysteries and thrillers and women's fiction. So those are, I hope I said that. Did I say women's fiction twice? I may have. No, I don't think okay. so. <laughs> I don't think you did. Okay. Yeah. So don't send me a romance because, like, if I tried to write a romance myself, I did try once, and the main character died on page five. The, the woman threw him over the boat. And I'm like, I, I don't think I can write romance. So I don't think I can help people with that very much. I have the yeah, same so issue. <laughs> and I also have a, a writing community called Novelytics. And that is, and if any of your listeners who are writers, if they're interested in joining a community, it's, it's an amazing group of people from all over the country and Canada. And we meet on Wednesday nights and talk craft and writing and feedback and all that. And we have workshops monthly and morning writes. So that's sort of, that started the second week of lockdown. Oh. And it's been just growing since then. Oh, that's so fantastic. That's yeah. And that was like at that crazy time where we didn't know what was going on. And I just wrote a, an email to every writer I'd ever been taught in a workshop or to work or wrote with and said uh i don't know about you but i don't know what we're doing so let's meet wednesday night at 4 30 and check in and that's how it started it was just check-ins how are you doing emotionally oh that is fantastic yeah and it's turned into this whole other amazing thing we, we have an anthology coming out in the late fall oh so, and is it yeah is it different genres or did you have a theme for the anthology all different all different genres so we had a theme and the theme was a, a necklace that one of the one of the writers brought her grandmother's necklace and that was our prompt and oh. then everyone could write as long as it had a necklace in it oh that is and very cool. featured in it 
Yeah, but then it, they can show off their genres because some people are sci-fi and some are mm-hmm. historical and some are contemporary, some are humor, you know, all over the place. So I think that's going to be really fun when that comes out. Oh, yeah, it'll be a really – because I always say with short stories – because, you know, people are still putting out short story collections. I know not everybody realizes that. But to have an anthology, you get just so many different types of stories. So if you're in the mood for something sad, it's probably in there. If you're in the mood for something hilarious, it's probably in there. And yes. everything in between. So Yeah, I totally agree. It's like, this. It's like, oh, what do I feel like today? Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like trying to find something to watch on television, right? Some people mm-hmm. say they don't have time to read, but if you think about how much time we spend watching television, you probably do have time to read. You're just, like, I'm one of those instant gratification people, which is why I'm such uh-huh. a fan of television. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I am in a great mood to read, and other times I really just want to veg out with the television. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. short stories are a really great way to get a fix of one, if you're a writer, learning your craft and being in this world for a short period of time. And then you can go watch your television. <laughs> I have to say, you short story writers, you amaze me. I admire you completely because that's the hardest thing for me to write. It's and I do it very rarely. Because it's like, you know, novels have this sort of forgiving quality to them. If you want to go off on a little tangent and come back, as long as you've sort of thematically linked it, you're fine. But if you cannot do that in a short story, yeah, it's, so those are hard. It, it's, and I often write short stories when I want to challenge myself. When I want to experiment, mm-hmm. I go to the short story and... That is where I experimented with second person point of view. That is where I experimented mm-hmm. with um, even magical realism because I write contemporary. It's just mm-hmm. uh, market fiction. And then, of course, my historical fiction. But there isn't really a lot of supernatural or magical realism in those. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'd really like to experiment with some magical realism. And then my character, July, was born and her situation and it was just this really great way to experiment without mm-hmm. the burden of responsibility I guess if that makes sense oh, yes of, of 300 more pages yes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's almost like you can audition the characters or audition the theme and then see if it has legs for something else or if it is really just meant to be that snippet Yes, exactly, because the novel that I was telling you about that I just finished, uh, that my agent is looking at now, it actually started as a short story. And I said, you know, I think there's enough in here for me to write a novel, and now I have 100,000 words. So it's, Great. Okay. it's it is amazing how that happens where you say, okay, this is a 2,500 or 6,000 word short story, or... Is this something that I can expand on? Is there enough meat in this story for it to be something much bigger? Right. Right. So, and I have often met writers like you who say, I can't write a short story to save my life. I always end up with thousands and thousands and thousands of words. (laughs) So I think it's a common problem. 
Yeah, I think what I'm going to do now is I'm just all the short stories are going to be related in some ways to the Good Time Girls. So I know I have one that I'm going to do when Pip, one of the characters, decides to do a Lady Godiva ride down the street of the mining town. It has something with burrows in it. I don't get it. I don't know what it's going to be. And another one's about this dog named Gimp, Gimp the dog. And I mean, these are just like, you know, I'm like, oh, these are fine. I can write these kind of short stories. Yeah. Because I know the people. Exactly. Right? You're... But if you're like, write a new short story about such and such, I would like literally have an anxiety attack. <laughs> you certainly have to be in a place for it, I think. Because you can't say, okay. Well, I can't. I know plenty of people probably can, but I can't just say, I think I'm going to write a short story. I have to really be in the right frame of mind to sit down and make it short <laughs> and not end up mm -hmm. with those tens of thousands of words. Right, right. Well, I hope that you'll let me know when you start putting out the short stories because I'd love to read them. <laughs> sure, of course, I will. Now, I'm a big fan of your gothic historicals. I love The Companion. I love After Alice Fell. I love The Deception. But this year, as you said, you launched your your new series, which is The Wild Wild Women of Texas, uh, I mean, of the West. And the first one is The Good Time Girls. And it came yes. out in March. Yes. You did this under an imprint. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell us a little bit about a little bit more about the series and a little bit more about, because you published your historicals, your Gothic historicals with Union Lake. Lake Union. Lake Union. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> with Lake Union. Fine. So now yeah. you're publishing these with it, with your imprint. And I'd just love mm -hmm. to hear a little bit more about the series and about what, what kind of drove you to this decision. Sure. Um, I think that for a writer, it's really good to not be, in, I'll have all your eggs in one basket. That's one thing. So I have an agent and he has sold, he sold the, the three gothics. But during all that time, as I was pitching other things to Lake Union or pitching other things, some were turned down, some were not, you, you know, this is like, this is the nature of the business. You mm -hmm. pitch an idea, you give some chapters and they say yes or no, based on a lot of elements. Um, and all during that time, as I was writing those three books, when I'd have downtime, I would pick up the Good Time Girls. And it was my book that I used, just picked stories up in when I was like stressed, upset, needed a laugh, because the two main characters, Pip and Ruby, make me laugh. So it, it was really just something that I kept doing. And, you know, I love the West. And I, I just, I love... I just love the West, you know, and I love hearing about the women's West. And I felt like there's a lot of stuff done that's very, very serious. The pioneer woman or the, you know, whatever, the gunslinger, <laughs> the good woman, and all this stuff. There's all of that, which is all great. Trust me, I think that's all great. But I was like, I, this is funnier. This is, I wanted something that was more adventurous, a little bit more Thelma and Louise or True Grit or, you know, sort of in that range of, a funny mm -hmm. um and so that's what happened so i would just pick it up and do stuff and put it away people are like why aren't you gonna write it like it's outside of my brand so you know i have a brand the agent mm -hmm. like you you're a gothic writer and then this past year i was just like 
had a very dark year, lots of bad family things happened, deaths in the family, and I couldn't do any more dark. So I said to my, and I was moving, and I, it was a very, very chaotic year. The deception came out in the middle of it. I, I still don't even remember it. I don't remember the launch. So during that, that book, this book became like, oh, just write five pages, just write a little bit. And then by November, I said, I got to finish this book. I'm going to finish it. And when I finished it, I didn't want the, to do, I really, really wanted my own imprint. I really wanted to understand, you know, have part of my stuff with the uh, publisher and part of my stuff that I controlled all of it. So what comes with all that control is a lot of risk. But I've opened businesses before, so I'm I'm pretty okay with risk. I can be a little anxious about it because I get very impatient. Mm-hmm. But I, I do understand the risk, and I, I I from the beginning I wanted to be in control of this book. I didn't want someone to, except for a developmental editor, to change what I had in the story. And you know, westerns are trending right now. It's like mm-hmm. between between Yellowstone and. 1883 and then the other ones that are online and all of that I was like if I do this with an agent it's going to be two years before the book comes out Mm -hmm. if I do this myself and I've already done so much editing because I've been doing it in pieces I can have this out in April and then I can do another one for Christmas right Mm -hmm. and it's and um it just felt all right to do those and I really really like having my eggs in two different baskets so it doesn't mean I won't write other gothics or send something to my agent to do. It's just this is where I'm at now. This is the the brand and sort of the – I just have so much fun with it, and I have so much fun with researching it, researching the West. And I will show you it, – it, I will show you my, my book, my favorite uh-huh. research book. We talked about research, right? Mm-hmm. This book right here, this is the Sears Roebuck 1902 catalog, oh. and you can see all these little things. Mm-hmm. I can literally open up and go, oh, that's that's a perfect gun, or oh, that's a really weird thing. I'm going to put that in a scene, whatever that is. So this shows me like how people lived and the influence of everything they use. So that's my favorite thing. Oh, I, yeah. I go, that's funny. I'm going to use that. There's going to be a joke. <laughs> I have one similar. So um, it's... um. It's a supply catalog. It's ever on my bookshelf, but it's from the 19th century. So I I totally get why that's your favorite because it is so awesome to look in there and just be like, oh, oh yeah. wow. <laughs> I got there's this thing in there that I saw. It was in this section on hunting, and it was it's like this thing of straw, and you literally get inside of it and you can move around with it. So you're like duck hunting with it. You're moving across the field in this thing of straw. <laughs> And I'm like, if you think I'm not going to Pip and Ruby use those things for shock, you would have another thing coming. So, oh, my God. I mean, come on. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's so fun. So, um, yeah, and people are really just who read it, just are like, I love it. I love laughing. And, and, and they really love the two women. So I'm really happy with that. I'm really happy with the launch so far. So. Fantastic! It came out actually April fourth. Oh, I'm sorry. I looked yeah. on. Uh, I looked at the 
Amazon listing because I know yeah, you because the we talked about came it. out a little bit before. That's it. But the actual launch was April fourth, and that's related to all the things you have to learn in self publishing <laughs> about when do you do little dates of things, when things come out where. I'm so. I still have a lot to learn before I actually launch my first one next year. So <laughs> this is very helpful. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think what. For me, the other thing about doing a, doing it myself to again to have more control over something is that I I sucked in all the marketing tools and everything that I learned over those other three books. So I had a publicist for the companion. I didn't really need one for After Alice Fidel because it was an Amazon first read. Mm-hmm. And then between the three books, I just kept learning and just taking notes upon notes upon notes. And then I said when I launched this. I want it to be sort of a mixture of traditional marketing, which has a lot longer the time mm-hmm. frame to it, and self-publishing. So I keep running into people like, why are you doing that right now? Your book's not coming out for, you know, three months. I'm like, because in, in traditional publishing, I should have done this three months before. And they're like, no, 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 no. You do this in six weeks, four weeks, two weeks. So it's really fun to mix them up and, you know, create a marketing plan and decide what you want to do with it. It does get uh, very overwhelming though, time-wise. I imagine so. But what you're doing is exactly what I want to do as well because I have the contemporary brand with my agent, but I want my historical Mm -hmm. brand to be completely separate. So I'm planning to self-publish my historical brand and then my agent will continue to handle my contemporary. So hopefully that will be traditional. So I'll, I'll be straddling that line as well. So it's really helpful for me to, I mean, forget about the listeners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's really helpful for me to hear you talk about this because it is something that that is my goal. And it's for the same reasons mm-hmm. that you decided to do it because traditional publishing mm-hmm. takes a long time. And self-publishing, mm-hmm. you have the control and you control when it comes out the only thing you don't control is how well it does. <laughs> you can't control that in traditional publishing. So, I mean, you have to really be pretty straightforward about that. You get a lot of things from traditional publishing. You get this advances and great editing and some, hopefully some form of marketing from the, the publisher that you get, but you're still going to do almost the same amount. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, wow, I'm doing all this. So, I mean, for me, it was it was great because I'm like, oh, that's how you do that. I meet these people. And, and, and as you do it over the years, you are making all these, like, connections, right? So there's mm-hmm. times where it's like, I have to pitch all these podcasts. And I go, well, I've been on these people's show before. So the pitch is not the same. It's just like, hey, I love you. I love your show. I'm thinking this new book out, right? And yeah. it's like, <laughs> You know, if you got time, would you like me on? And it was basically, you know, that's really fun to have all that. And that just, and I think for people who are doing self-publishing, it's really important to have a full production schedule. Not just your writing and your editing of it, but absolute production schedule laid out of your marketing plan. I learned that from Dana Kay. She was my Mm -hmm. publicist for The Companion. And she taught me so much about, you know, this is what you need to do each week up to that launch. And because you're going to start being like, I need to do that. I need to do that. I didn't do that. I should do that. And that just muddies everything that you're 
you're already working on. Yeah. And then I'll take the plan now and look at it in like a month and say what worked, what didn't, and what will I do next for the next book coming out. And and so. that has to be super helpful. Just to, to have that experience where you've gone through this with three books, you're going through it again with yeah. on on this other yeah. side and now you can it's it's like almost throwing yourself into the fire almost you have to figure some things out on your own that you weren't right. privy to with your traditional publishing so right. that's very that's very interesting and, and you have to know what you can't do and i think that's really important so for me i don't understand how to make amazon ads work or facebook ads so i hired someone who helps me with that uh, valerie beale with lost lake press she's wonderful and she's like she's doing the marketing management for those two advertising areas because i can't just sit oh what's the algorithm what's the keyword what's this i don't know i have to write another book it's supposed yeah. to be like out yeah, and November 7th. I'm like literally on chapter three. <laughs> and the algorithm changes like weekly. So maybe right. daily. <laughs> right. So. Right. Exactly. Well, we are almost out of time. I have time for one more question. And my last question okay. is always this. What is the best writing advice you have ever heard or received? Finish your book. That is very good <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the two pieces. Finish your book, then write another. So. And do you ever have, every time I finish a book, I then have this moment of panic where I say to myself, I don't think I can do it again. Do you ever have that? Every day when I sit down at the computer. Every single day. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know what the story is. What happens? They have to end up here at the end. Oh my God, how am I going to get them there? <laughs> and then it's just piecing the pieces together. So I'll write a note like hat. Knowing that I need to use this hat or just... Or something that someone says and goes, okay, I guess the scene's going to have those in it. And then you go and you hope it works. Yes. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But for me, it's I pretty much know where they're going to be at the end in any of the books that I do. That, that last scene is, if I know that, I can at least go, okay, you're aiming there. So if the scene's not working, is it working because you're not aiming there? Or is it because you have no conflict? There's no stakes. It's... I don't understand what these people want. Right? So, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah. I want to say just a very sincere thank you. I have enjoyed meeting you finally and chatting. And I just thank you for, for coming on the show. It has been my pleasure and an honor. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Kim. And I will see you around Instagram. <laughs> You bet. See you there. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it. My final hurrah. My final interview. I am so grateful for everyone who has listened over the years, for everyone who has been part of the show, for all of my friends who 
encouraged me to keep going even when I thought I should just throw in the towel. I appreciate all of it, and I appreciate those of you who have come back every two weeks to listen to me ramble on about writing and to listen to me talk to some pretty cool people about writing. So for the final time, I'm going to sign off. And until we meet again, take care and keep writing.